We live in pretty noisy times. All those clickbait headlines, tweets, TikToks, takes on the TV and radio. So much noise. Sometimes you wonder, how can we just carve out a little space of peace and quiet for ourselves? Maybe poetry can help. The need for poetry is is in all of us deeply. I don't think we can get that out of our systems, and we shouldn't get that out of our systems. This is the Gallery America podcast, which seeks out Oklahomans excelling in art, creativity, and expression, and then talks with them a bit. I'm your host, Robert Reed, and over the next several minutes, we're all going to become the poem. Episode 5, How to Read a Poem. File under, why doesn't it rhyme? Museums educate and inspire, and the very best do something else. Something like offer us a life lesson or even a hug. And that is the case of a little museum in Locust Grove, Oklahoma, which is, to my reckoning, one of Oklahoma's great attractions. And it has a very memorable name. Romp, R-O-M-P, Rural Oklahoma Museum of Poetry. And I actually called the museum that because I wanted to have that acronym. It's just like taking a romp through poetry. This is Sean Perkins, who created the Rural Oklahoma Museum of Poetry. It's not necessarily a museum that is for poets. It's geared toward the person, the regular person, but I just wanted them to experience it. I just wanted it to, uh, you know, get absorbed into the cells of their body, you know, and flow through the blood, and I want you to become the poem. And so if you're becoming the poem, you're becoming the thing that you're reading, and, you know, the images are really filling you up. There's no need to talk about the meaning. You know, you're feeling it. You're feeling what the poem is about. If you are keeping track, there are only two museums in all of the U.S. dedicated to poetry in general. One is Romp, right here in Locust Grove, population 1300, the other in D.C. Well, it started in my dad's machine shop because I just was just riding around on the golf cart one day and passed dad riding around on his golf cart. And I said, Dad, can I put a poetry museum in your machine shop? Because he had uh, stopped using it, and he said, yeah, why not? So, basically, Romp started in a shed. I, I did sort of think at first that I probably should have some credentials to do this, but no, you don't have to have any credentials to, to start a museum. That was 11 years ago. Romp now occupies an old realty office. Inside, you'll find laminated poems and art displaying on the walls, along with prompts for visitors to create their own verse to add to the collection. You type them up on a typewriter, tape them to a poetry tree, stuff them into little jewelry boxes to hide around the museum. It's a, it's a very different experience uh, for people than, than most traditional museums. There was a, a young woman, I don't know, she's probably in her 20s, that came in here a few months ago. As she was leaving, she got to the door and she just kind of looked over at me. And, and, and she looked at me, she had this look in her face like she wasn't really seeing me. It, it was a very um, transfixed look. Almost so that I thought, you need to calm down when you walk outside. Don't immediately <laughs> don't immediately get in your car, you know, behind the wheel and take off. Pretty sure that is becoming the poem. There's a poet in all of us that died in our youth. Somebody said that. I don't remember who, but that, that's, that, that's true. Mm-hmm. I mean, poetry is, it's the oldest literary art. I mean, it predates printing, predates the written word. We 
told stories around the fire just to survive. Here's the best places to hunt for the bison. We told stories and we put it into poetic form because that's the way that we could remember things. And so it is in us deeply. How do you define a poem? Um, I guess there's so many definitions of poetry, and one of my favorites is going back to Emily. That's Emily Dickinson. In the poetry world, she's like an Elvis or Beyonce, known by her first name only. And, and her definition of poetry was that when you were reading it, you knew it was a poem if you felt as if the top of your head were coming off. Hmm. That. That's how I know that I've written something uh, that's really good, too, is if I leave it alone for a while and I go back to it, and I do feel that tingling mm-hmm. in the top of, top of my head, like Emily said. <laughs> good place to tingle. Yeah. <laughs> Sean lives with, as she puts it, a lot of poems in her head, and I asked her to share one that she had written. Oh, I wrote a poem once for my uh, boyfriend at the time, and I really like it. And it's called A Winter's Dream of Spring. Let's get lost in the ditch where the hoary bindweed grows when the sun is at half-mast and the wind won't reach our toes. Let's pretend it's forever spring and the May apple calls to us and the leafy canopy beneath the oaks and the dark and crowded hush. Let's be lovers in the milkweed field and the grass between the rocks and hide our cares in the cracked earth till time has stopped its clock. Gorgeous. Thanks. Wow. That's a ditch to be in. (laughs) Good ditch. (laughs) It's said, on average, visitors to art museums spend only about eight seconds looking at a painting. Then they move on. The key, as most artists will tell you, is to pick out only a few paintings and spend four or five minutes with it instead. And in the reading world, poetry is kind of like that. It rewards those who slow down, read deliberately and carefully, and, well, become the poem, as Sean says. Here's Sean again. I think a lot of people are afraid of poetry. I think it's partly because of how it was taught to them. But I also think people are afraid of poetry because they know that there's something there. There's something Mm. in the poem that we don't always want to confront or be confronted with. I think there's a truth to poetry that you just don't find in other types of writing. My time with Sean at Romp was still kind of tingling my head recently when I was at home. My teenage daughter, Ruby, was about to leave to go back to her mom's after an extended stay with me. She was asleep on an inflatable mattress in the living room, where she prefers to stay for some, I don't know, teenage reason. I knew she'd be gone in a couple hours, and I was starting to think about that old separation anxiety I feel when she goes. So I sat, and I wrote a poem. Here he goes. There she sleeps still, wrapped in a pink blanket. The window blinds behind her look like stripes of sullen light, pulsing whenever a car passes outside with a mere hint of a hum. She will be gone soon. In this little room here, though equally quiet, will be far darker. Maybe that's a poem. I don't know. But it turned out things weren't really as dark as I thought they might feel once she had packed and left. Because I still had the poem. Which gave me a sort of comfort and felt glad that I just took the time to slow down and pay attention and feel that moment. So, thank you, Poetry. Thank you, Sean. Thank you, Romp. 
and I think you should definitely go and visit Romp. It's open Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. And you can sign up for Sean's daily poem email. She writes one every day, and they're wonderful. By visiting her website, rompoetry.com. And listen for her weekly Wacky Poem Life podcast she records with her cohort, Bill Guthrie. Thank you for listening. Be sure to subscribe and check out past episodes of the Gallery America podcast and watch Gallery America shows on Oklahoma art on the PBS app or by visiting our archives at oeta.tv slash Gallery America. Till next month, stay arty, Oklahoma. (laughs) 